0: Welcome back to the Super Metal Brothers Podcast, where Super Metal Metal Brother Matt loves the blast beats as much as Daniel loves super bad vocalists.
1: (laughs) I am Super Metal Brother Dan. You calling Dio bad vocalist? Oh, not entirely.
0: No way. We can't be talking about Dio right now. That is later for the news. But uh, we are talking about a few things on this uh, week's show. One of them being the declaration of the ruination of heavy metal albums. Apparently, all of England's come out and... um, kind of threw his hands up in the air and said, what's the point? You know, he's got an album out with Feared. And uh, he pretty much sent it to his friends and family and declared that, you know, the the mid card's dead. It's either the 1% or the no percent.
1: What you call it? A declaration of... Ruination. Ruination. Yeah. It actually sounds like an album. <laughs> uh, yeah, a trademark band name. Trademark band name.
0: Um, also, speaking about band names, what about Mercenary, right? These guys here, we're talking Retro Review. We're actually one week away from the show of all shows of the year the top 10 of the super metal brothers uh but more importantly we thought we finished off with a bang and talk about a band that we really wanted to talk about ever since
1: we started the podcast yeah exactly and we also think that if we like review an album just before our top 10 it might like slant our like opinion of that oh. band being like better or something so it's good it's good to go in a clean slate
0: I mean, nothing to say with last year with Testament. I mean, when we did the top 10, that was, I think, the last album we reviewed. But that album kicked us and it still does. Like, thinking back, I'm like, yeah, I'm glad we put it so high in our top 10. But did it, Matt? No, it did. did. It? And we're it, <laughs> happily going to stay there. Enjoy your album there, Brad. I actually hate uh, the, um, the, the fact that we lost such a great album in our hands. I have to buy it again, maybe. But uh, let's go straight on and talk the news. Poly Expressive. This is a hands-free effects control system. Now, apparently, they reckon it will revolutionise the play, the way that people play guitar. Now, I don't know if anyone out there knows, but you, with the guitarists, they have this like pedal board in front of them, and it can give them access to different sounds. Like, step on one, makes your guitar sound louder, and another one will, you know, make it sound a little bit more like in space or something. But this one here is basically like an iPad for your feet, Danny.
1: Yeah, definitely right. It's for like. I guess guys who are really bored and don't really have much like ability to play guitar. Oh. So they have to like add all these effects and influences to make it sound somewhat interesting. Just
0: because um, we our natural tone sounds kind of shitty doesn't mean that we are bad players. Although it does really help make us sound better. <laughs> yeah, but
1: i only- I mean, what it does, like, it's only in development stage. It's actually on a Kickstarter. So yeah. if you want to donate, like, look into it. It's probably going to be a great idea.
0: I, for one, am having so many problems with my iPad just touching it with my fingers. Um, you spill any water on that thing, I, I assume it would call someone in Bangladesh and uh, send the nukes your way. Apart from that, I don't think it would work. And the other
1: thing is, like, it's touch sensitive. Oh. But when, when you're on like, a middle of, like, a jam and you're riffing and you're on stage, last thing you want to do is, like, just... Press it slightly or yeah. gently to get the, like, the levels
0: correct. Yeah. Their nickname in real life of these pedal boards is called like, stomp boxes. And it's because like, if you want to be on stage, you, know, you want to know that you can hit it. So you like, smash it. Could you imagine that? you got a cracked screen all of a sudden, that's it. I mean, you could drop your beer on it. You can see anything to it. Or even just glance at it at a funny angle and that thing's going to crack.
1: Yeah, definitely right. So yeah, it's a good thing, but I have a feeling it's going to be a very niche market. And yeah, I love those like hipster dudes. You like only play like four notes. And that's yeah, great. it's
0: perfect. Like you can bring literally, you can, if it's, that's your setup, you can bring your iPad anywhere in the world and it'll have all your channel selects and stuff like that. But the only problem is that it'd be so bad, like so sensitive. It's almost better having it up so you can touch it, I'd imagine.
1: Or like just become a better guitar you don't need gimmicks
0: or make your guitar out of lego how about we just do that apparently a guy out there has made a guitar out of lego and it sounds uh like a lego guitar it's very blocky and very childish and also it could be a part of daniel's uh collection
1: yeah definitely man big, <laughs> big fan of the old lego i'm pretty sure there's a lot of crackle we just held that lego guitar together if you watch a lego movie you know what i'm talking
0: about um Everything is awesome apart from that guitar sound, unfortunately, Danny. <laughs> oh, that's well played. Yeah, it, does. it sounds terrible.
1: It sounds awful. But that could be uh, maybe the quality of pickups he used, etc. Maybe he know. needs a
0: poly-expressive. Maybe he needs just another guitar. I reckon uh, stick to the SPS, and I think he will still manage to have that whole getting
1: laid by the opposite sex the good thing. The good thing about making What's a Lego that? guitar, man, is that when you smash it over like a fallback or something, that will explode in a million pieces. It'll look fantastic. And and all you have to do is put it back together again. You're yeah, like I like the guitar. idea of
0: making whatever guitar you want on the night. No, you feeling like a Flying V? We'll make a Flying V. You feeling like one of those Hetfield Explorer rip Great. They're all going to sound like crap, but at least you'll have fun doing it.
1: Yeah, but no one knows what a good guitar sounds like these days. It's like being on
0: the toilet, really, isn't it? Like, you know, you're going to have fun doing it, but at the end of the day, it's going to be poop. Well, we can talk about another thing anyway. With uh, Robert Plant telling fans to stop living in the past and hear new bands, simple as that. Just kind of like get on, get it on it. Like there's so much going on around these days, and that will tie in a lot to our segment in the uh, podcast question this week. But um, do, do you feel that you are one for nostalgia? I know you're going to watch that really bad Dio, looking all swollen and buzzed out doing that live 3D thing. But I would never do it. But there is a place for nostalgia nevertheless.
1: Oh, nostalgia is worth a lot. Just look at all these like superhero movies and comics coming back and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, nostalgia is worth a lot of money and people like it because it brings them back to like a nice time in their life, etc., etc. I think Robert Plant is just, this is like him being like now passive aggressive or like somewhat edging towards aggressive. Like people, I'm not going back to Led Zeppelin. Yeah, that's Stop. more that. Stop asking me to yeah. get back it wasn't
0: about getting into new bands just getting into the new robert plant band which yeah. i think was really on offer right now
1: well he like does guest vocals or like one-off concerts with people all the time so technically he's like in a new band three times a year so that that's why he's like yeah just follow the uh, robert, robert plant train and give me more money
0: arch Fires, a vocalist launches a crowdfunding campaign to get singing lessons for michael Keane from the faceless now this is actually not a funny joke. I thought this was like a bit of tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, yeah, my poor buddy, he's just uh, been trying for, you know, seven albums but just can't get get it right, so let's start a Patreon for him. And that was the joke, but apparently this guy's actually having a real dig at him and the Michael Keane's really taking offense to it and, uh, yeah, blood's been drawn.
1: Yeah, definitely, because this is not the first time we've uh, heard Arxfire lead singer. Apparently he seems to be a bit of a comedian, but apparently this one here is because, uh, hey, the faceless guy... Um, kicked off a band on their tour because sex, um, sexual allegations were put on this band and the faceless didn't want anything to do with it. And then Archfire, I guess, had to go or something. And then Faceless had to go their their drummer. I don't know. Then it all exploded in handbags at 10 paces. And mm-hmm. now it's come to this.
0: Well, in any case, I think uh, right now I'm definitely more a fan of Archfire. So it's kind of like the face versus the heel of the wrestling. We talked about that last week. So maybe Archfire can win this battle. But at the end of the day, um, Ah, it's a bit of digging, you know, a bit of controversy. Maybe one day see these guys in the same ring together. They plug it out with riffs. I'd watch it.
1: Yeah, they both come out to like, why can't we be friends? <laughs> That's like intro music.
0: <laughs> that celebrity deathmatch show that no one was interested. Maybe I would be interested now. Uh, Perfect Circle guitarist um, even goes further with the no sell policy. Now, this is the thing. We talked about this uh, on previously before with our fans. Like, is it right thing to do? And I think the consensus is, as long as you're not like bringing like an iPad tablet seven, which is you know bigger than a plasma TV screen, to take the gig, um, you're generally fine. You know, but they're kicking people out left, right, and center at their shows, and the whole band, on it. I thought it was just the main art Keaton, but they all want they all want uh, the cell phones to be. I uh, think of the past any.
1: Yeah, but this guitarist, he actually uh, linked watching his band live to like going to a play because if you go see a play live you don't take photographs you don't take uh camera what they call movies clips etc because if you do you get asked to leave so i think these guys ego is like so massive i think they think their music is like like a play like you should sit and soak up the masterpiece that is our music and you shall clap only when you're allowed to clap and that's it and sit down be quiet during the rest of the show
0: you know, I thought that pretentiousness would just lie with tool, but now it seems like anything that uh, uh Maynard gets into, like a fine wine, just seeps into every pore and crevice of a, a bottle of or, or the you know, those big ass uh, vats. You know, and this is the thing with that as well. It's just wow, really. Like I've been to a perfect circle show once when at Soundwave, I think they played at one time, and uh, it was less than overwhelming. Um, I think people bring their phones out just to prevent the illness of boredom. I think that was a bigger problem I found.
1: Yeah, I'm not really the biggest you know. fan of, like, suicidal music. I like my music to be a bit more um, upbeat beat and, like, lifting and, like, fun.
0: It's kind of weird. It's kind of like, you know, they bought the ticket, right? And they're giving you money. Like, why would you spit on them for coming to your show? I guess, you know, the appeasing of maybe other fans that are as, you know, inside their own buttocks as the band is maybe as well. So they're like, you know, no, nah, man, we're here to feed the band. But, like, if they're buying a ticket, man, what do they do at your show? And it's not hurting
1: anyone. shouldn't be a problem, maybe. Well, talking about hurting people take photographs, if we like skip a little bit forward, mm. the um, Queens of the Stone age singer apparently um, asked the uh, lady photographer in the front row to check his uh, shoe size. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but that's the thing. I've watched the video now a couple of times and it's saying he got kicked, she got kicked in the head as a photo- photographer. Was she kicked in the head or was, she ki- was he kicking the camera and the camera was at, at her face like and it happened to like hit her and stuff? I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying like, the headlines are saying kicked in the head. But... It um, didn't seem like it was the head, or maybe it was. Like, have you ever clear any evidence on
1: I don't watch it, but I heard his rebuttal, and he was saying that oh, I was just kicking like lights and stuff around the stage, and apparently I kicked the camera, which was like and it hurt someone's face. So, I don't know his excuse is pretty shit. Yeah, it's a, a shitty yeah. excuse, and it's probably not the rightest thing to
0: do. But he might have thought it was a light, but I think um, I think he was just having a bit of fun with it. And uh, you can't you can't be kicking people, man. Like that's not cool. You know, it's... No, you can't. It's, uh, it's bad for like your career and stuff. Um, and your fans, like they like to come to a stage and unless you like go to a mayhem where they can throw a pig carcass at you. No one seems to care about that. Mm. But a gentle brush from your foot. Nah, man, that, that there is like... You gotta set a precedent. Like, if you're gonna be like, you know what? If you're gonna to come to our show, you're gonna get kicked in the face and you're in the front row, and just kind of like start kicking people in the face, and then they're like, oh, it's part of the show. Like, <laughs> if you get kicked in the face, it's like, oh, that's a good thing. Like, dude, did, did you get your boot imprint from the guy from Queens of the Stone Age? And like, yeah, man. And then they high five each
1: other. Yeah, so they give like, yeah, boot prints on your face, get like yeah. tattooed. His boot print tattooed on your face. So like, yeah. if he
0: didn't apologize, and said, no, nah, that's what happens at our shows, man. People get kicked in the face. People will go to the front row just to get the chance of getting it signed, you know, like a Slayer imprint.
1: Yeah, man, I lost like two teeth tonight, man. I lost like three. <laughs> yeah, my brother lost five teeth, man.
0: Um, Dave was saying uh, he only played at the Metallica Big Four show in 2011 because his manager called him a pussy. Could you imagine that? That's how easy it is to get bands together and to do it again. I feel like right now I need to go to Seattle and talk to uh, Jeff Loomis and the Warhol see if we can't get this train rolling.
1: No, no. He misheard the manager. Like Dave's lying. Oh. Dave said, the Metallica manager said, you're a pussy if you don't play. What well, Dave heard it goes, you're going to get some pussy if you play. And there's a oh, shit, yeah, I want to play. Oh, yeah, he's down. That's
0: the Chris Jericho train where it's like, you know, the more of that, the merrier. But unfortunately, they're not like Motley Crue. And uh, apparently, he had like the whole spinal neck thing. So he had his neck fused and he still came out looking like he's, you know, part of like uh, some sort of transforming, transformer bot, you know, Optimus Prime thing going on. But
1: it worked for him. A different type of metalhead. Like a full
0: metal. Yeah, hey, like Taylor. full metal because he's got like pins in his neck. That's pretty metal.
1: Yeah, but you got to be careful, man. Like him, you got Corpse Griner, Corey Taylor. It's like... You know what needs Watch to have out.
0: more metal in it? Baby strollers, And I'm talking like now Pantera have baby shoulders now. Well, I don't think Pantera because the band's been like divorced and now their lead guitar is suffering the problem of being dead. The biggest problem now is that Pantera is no more. We've been told this by Rex Brown, by Phil Anselmo, by Vinnie Paul... But they're making baby shows, so they're not frying away from selling out, still, and making that little bit of money.
1: I don't who actually owns like Pantera's like brand name these days. And they're the ones who are pushing this uh promotion or this merchandise. Who's, who says has the final say because it doesn't seem like something they would agree to. Like, yeah, go to man. Vinnie Paul, Vinnie Paul, would you like your band your brother created and worked so hard for? Was pretty like tough and aggressive. Did you want? To put your like name on baby strollers, yeah, exactly.
0: Like, what about diapers? What about like nuclear weapons? Apparently, nothing's not for sale when it comes or like to merchandise.
1: Left-handed potato peelers, you know?
0: Oh, absolutely. M- way more sexy than right-handed ones. Uh, we're going to talk about power metal and black metal now. Apparently, they're the top Spotify's of emerging genres of complete nonsense. Uh, apparently, there's like this whole melodic power metal, and what is it? Uh, Chaotic, uh, cha- black chaotic metal, black metal. metal. Yeah, because black metal before i sounding like it was through a tube, through a straw, through a processed blender. Uh, that wasn't chaotic enough, and now they've gone ahead and added another meaningless term now, to that,
1: it. That was they used to be called inaudible black metal. Oh right, <laughs> just <sound like> nothing. <laughs> so, so what was the difference between
0: chaotic black metal and inaudible black metal? I'd imagine now they've managed to have better production values. And they put those production values from a blender. Is that how it works? Yeah, now they use that Lego guitar and they use that, <laughs> that pedal thing
1: you talked about at the start. Yeah, so, a broken one, obviously.
0: Yeah. Uh, we'll go on to our last story for today with uh, Sean Reinhart, cynic, cynic. Hands over to Paul A massive Masvidal. Now, I thought he already left, but apparently he was still in. But I think he did kick out members previously for not practicing enough. We did cover a story where if they weren't practicing from like six to eight hours a day, then they needed to go on the unemployment line. But now, even Sean Reynhard, the, the drummer of all drummers, has given up. Uh, do you think he's just run out of people in the world to be able to play their songs
1: I don't know i mean it's It's tricky because he first he kicked out the guitarist, was it four years ago or three years ago, and the guitarist never knew he thought he was still in the band, yeah, and now I guess he's decided to leave. So maybe what happened? he kicked out the guitarist, and the guitarist was like, you know that. Episode with Seinfeld when George is trying to separate from his girlfriend and she doesn't want to agree to it. Like, no, 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 I'm not agreeing to that. Says, no, yeah. no, but I broke up with you. No, no, I got to agree to this. So maybe like the drum went to guitars. That's the other band. He's like, nah, nah, I don't think so. Nah, yeah. no, I'm going to stay this band.
0: <laughs> so that's it. he's Sean Reynard's out. So if you want to see Sean Reynard in your band, send him a like on the Twitter or the Facebook maybe and see if he can maybe push
1: you out of your own band. Well, if you're not willing to play eight to ten hours a day on uh, your own instrument, yeah. So yeah. Uh, make sure you like your. I know your music's very, like, midi-file-based, yeah. so you don't have to practice.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Well, with that, we're going to move on to our podcast question this week. The podcast question this week is simple. Metal albums, are they dead? One person seems to think so. His name's Ola Ingland. He plays in The Haunted and The Feared. Haunted being, I guess, more successful in a larger audience. They've been around for quite a long time. But The Feared is definitely, for some reason, a more superior band as far as lyrics, sorry, as wrist writing is concerned, I think he brings more to the table with that band, and it's a side project band, funny enough.
1: Well, yeah, but it's not commercial, is it? So no, yeah. it's not. Yeah, so let's talk difference.
0: about why he thinks the art form is dead. Well, he basically said it's been dying for a couple of years now, and it's definitely something he doesn't wish would happen. But is partially to, he is partially to blame, and he even says we all are. I didn't even know I was a part of this, but he's just pulling me along for the ride, Danny. Did you
1: know you were part of Heavy yeah, yeah, Metal Albums Dying? Yeah, I did, actually. But I don't really care, because he like, is in Europe, and I'm in Australia. Uh, like, so, no.
0: so basically, our attention spans have shortened, and the industry's saturated. Thank you, Internet, for killing that. Um, obviously, you used to go hard and sing for CDs every week, but now it's just too many more bands fighting for the same place. So... It's a rough time ahead. He sees big bands floating and the middle section falling lower and lower. A little bit of a guess like what's going on in real life now. The middle class now is getting pushed away into the working class where everyone's earning about you know, three to four bucks the hour and the 1% is kind of like reigning triumph from buying those houses that's making our market harder for me to buy a good house. Thank you very much. But enough of my, my poor homelessness. Danny, is he right? Is the oversaturation of the market now The nostalgia with big bands now having the stranglehold and being able to tour now and making a lot more money. Uh, Or is it now just all online? Now people can stream whatever they want. They have access to music. They can get it right now instead of waiting that two to three weeks to have it delivered. um, What's happening?
1: Yeah, I'll probably go more of the second one in a sense that this day and age is more like now, 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 now. I guess since the remote control got invented, it's pretty much like a slippery slope, like how do I make my life more easy and more convenient? Mm. And nothing's easier or more convenient than streaming or just downloading things on the spot.
0: That's right. With iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play now offering a service where you pay anywhere from what, $5 a month or $10 a month kind of thing. And you can have access to the music you want indefinitely. As long as you have a working internet collection, collection, you can listen to any artist, to any song, any band you want. Problem with that is, like he was saying, um, are, are people now going investing into that band they really, really want? Now they're getting, they're, they're missing out on the whole thing about opening the CD, looking at the artwork and stuff like that. Now, and some of that gets to fall too. Uh, I personally, I guess, you know, been, we're buying CDs up until this point where we just started Super Metal Brothers, and then I had to go online because we needed access to songs really fast. And in a stra- in Adelaide, there's only one uh, place that sells uh, metal CDs, Danny, isn't there?
1: Yeah, definitely right. I mean, to a bigger scale, if you go to certain places to have like the big bands, et cetera, but new metal albums or CDs here, it's only one main store. And even then, you're only getting again, maybe one or two new releases every month. And they're like, yes, the, again, the bigger type bands. So it's it's hard to come across albums so quickly. Um, so you, I guess like most people, they want to stream it straight away so they can have the album straight away. And that's that's fair I mean, if you can download directly off the um, band's uh, I don't know, website or Facebook page, etc., it's probably better for the band. they probably see more money. You know, if you go to things like Spotify and these streaming services, it's like listening to the radio. The bands, like, get really nothing from so it. So
0: let's ask our fans, because this week we asked the fans a simple question, and they just loved it. They laughed it up, and they went on for l- pages almost, Danny.
1: Oh, definitely right. We had a massive uh, response. So thank you, everybody, for your... Um have yeah, responses must be a very uh, important subject to a lot of people. So we'll start with uh, Amy Carson, whose uh, most albums I buy digitally on Google Play or direct from the artist's website so that I can download onto my computer and phone. If I can't get it digitally, I'll buy the CD, but not very often. Uh, sometimes stream music on Andrew Hogue Radio or Spotify. Uh, favorite bands currently on Spotify, which is Mick And yeah, so there you go, Is that. And if it's worth buying, she'll check them out on YouTube first. Um Zoki Arazina. I always used to wait for band releases and buy special editions at JB Hi-Fi. Uh, appreciate good album artwork as much as next guy, but I rather stream now less fuss. Uh, it doesn't really cost me anything and it doesn't take up physical space since I'm a neat freak.
0: I think with JB Hi-Fi the funny thing with that place is that is the best or only chance for mellow people that come from smaller cities in Australia. Problem is, once you kind of like get into it and you kind of take the resources of the 10 or 20 albums that you really want, it kind of slows right down. You know, they really are there to make sure that your Metallicas, your Guns N' Roses, your Iron Maidens and that are, are stocked to the brim. And then you might get that that pearl in the rough, you know? So I get it. Um, it might be as well what's happening, but let's move on, Danny.
1: Yep, yeah. And he actually ended up with a good point as well, saying that um, traveling around quite a few different places and always unpacking and repacking CDs getting away. so look that is a fair point USPs are more uh, environmentally friendly so we'll go with that angle uh, Andres Lopez says both he had the little gif of that taco girl saying whatever she says in Spanish Andres you know he yeah. speaks I yeah, well, speaks absolutely. Portuguese
0: yeah that's right he is an illegal alien <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Shades uh, Von Santara I purchased on iTunes I ain't wasting data on streaming uh, Daniel Sertiblad, uh physical media takes up too much space. I was buying vinyls half a dozen years ago, but the revival, in air quotes, of that format pushed the price up stupidly. Yeah. And I stopped being able to afford them. I have Google Play Music. Matthew, o, uh, Matthew Owen says, just streams. Josh Rigby uh, purchases albums. Uh, Basically, i more and more tempted to use Spotify, but I'm worried it will make my iTunes and iPod obsolete. Yeah. I don't know some sort of technical crap I don't know about, so don't buy androids, don't buy iPhones and i stuff. Get get other things yeah. for that reason. Yeah, why not? Uh, Peter Mitchell, the only CDs I've purchased in nearly three years have been local bands. Ah, good work, Peter Mitchell. You're a champion. And it has been over 100 CDs purchased in that time. Whoa! Good work, Peter Mitchell. That's the champion. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, dude. Yeah.
0: Uh, he gets head of the Week.
1: I think so. Yeah. yeah I think awesome. Middlehead, well on yeah. Peter
0: Mitchell, being head of the Week. You know what, Danny? That's going to be a award this year as well, the Metalhead of the Week, because we've done a few of those this year. So uh, we look forward to hearing your name, getting get mentioned in the nominees this year, I reckon.
1: Yeah, why not? And then, yeah, so and he streams International Artists. So f- there you go. Um, Tom, read it. Uh, purchased four albums, both on CD and digitally. Uh Brendan Fagan says stream. Andrew Darlington also stream. And if you likes it, purchase. Um Alex Amos, both. I buy for bands, I'm a super fan for, and mostly stream new stuff. North Lane is probably the only new CDs I've bought recently. So he goes for the area winner there, mate. Uh Shane Ross Connolly streaming using paid Spotify doesn't mean I'm completely off CDs though. Still buy the old one for car listening. That's true. Luke Serta, I always buy both digital and physical if I can, but if not, always buy it in digital form, still supporting the band that way. Rachel Krolick, I do both. I stream, download, buy the songs, then burn it onto my own compilation CD. There you go. I'm my own producer, she goes on to say. Yeah, that's pretty badass. Um, So far, as you can tell, we're starting to get a bit of
0: a a feeling here, aren't we, though? It's really feeling like it is getting pushed more towards the streaming. Is there any more, Danny? Are we going to save this uh, trainer at the moment?
1: Yeah, four more. We're nearly there. So, Kaya Elliot, if you really like the band slash album, I have to buy a physical copy. Otherwise, it's too easy just to stream or even listen to Hoagie. Andrew Hoag Radio, First Australia's rock, 24-7 rock made of radio.
0: Played some really good music last night, didn't they, Danny? Yeah, I reckon
1: all the Australian new stuff, oh, I wonder. Man. Yeah, let's,
0: let's talk about that later. What else have we got, Danny? Yeah,
1: Clayton Carson, if the material is good and not full of filler, I'll support the artist and buy the album. Zach Hammett, I always buy CDs when something new is released or I find something I discovered. Uh, sometimes I listen to Spotify before I buy a CD. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. And last but not least, Daniel Frost. As much as the digital world is evolving, I still buy CDs, DVDs, Blu-rays. But I do do use streaming services like Netflix and Stan, but I don't use music streaming services. Mm, The day the albums die will be when they stop making them, I guess. I think it definitely has made a significant impact on the industry, however... But always make up items how they release them is the other thing. So,
0: here's the thing right now, you can really get the hint that it's just easier, or even people that have been buying CDs for all this time, they're just getting brought over to the dark side. It's just that way. And you know what, Danny, even for us, it was the same. I was buying CDs until um, Super Metal Brothers, and as soon as I'm like, okay, we need to get access to CDs faster so we can review them, there's only one way, man. You go in digital, I can get it in 10 minutes. You know, sometimes it takes a week to two weeks to get that awesome album. And sometimes I have to go straight to the, the mouth itself. I have got go straight to the band because they're so unique and out of it. And metal isn't exactly right now on the top of the uh, charts when it comes to uh, going into sanity or other musical outlets to buy their stuff. So it really does feel maybe maybe all England's onto something. Maybe the album in itself, the hard copy might find its way out, much like vinyls did and the CDs might go the same way. Have a resurgence where it'll be cool again but also overpriced.
1: Yeah, it's a weird thing. I guess look, it is cheaper for the bands because you, once you record it, that's it. You've recorded it. Uh, you don't have to worry about spending money on like a book jacket or a lyric jacket. You just get like your cover for your album, which you still put on the digital suppliers. Um, you don't have to worry about transporting CDs to like the gig to gig. You just like can give them like cards on the website to how to get it from there. Um, but it's also one of those things that you know if you don't physically see something, you sometimes you forget about it as well. So if bands aren't doing right by themselves and really pushing the new album, you're just going to forget about it. But yeah. Again, Social media allows you to do that these days. Probably not a big issue. Um. Yeah. I mean, I guess again, this is nostalgia where people don't like change and they mm. like to see things. So, I mean, yeah, cities will probably go the ways. Yeah. Like it looks like they will,
0: unfortunately. And I did love them, but, uh, I just The problem is, when I have it in the car, when I have the CD there, the ritual of putting the CD through it and then listening to it, that's a feeling that, I had, even with vinyl, it feels really good. Like It's a nice ritual of grabbing that thing, that big, big black vinyl, throwing it on the thing, finding the needle into it. That, that is part of that listening experience, you know? And the USB of clicking it for me is just kind of like, it doesn't feel right right now, and I still would rather much prefer a CD, even to put in my car, even if that's or I only listen to it is in my car, but... Spend a lot of time there going to them from work and it puts me in the greatest mood when I finish or when I start. So, and the CD itself is part of it. Uh, even when I stream albums through my phone onto it, it doesn't feel right. It's like, it's just not cool. So uh, if, if, it, if it goes out with me, then that's fine. Uh, but I'll always have that soft spot for a CD. Yeah,
1: look, as long as you're buying albums every now and then, like I understand there's like certain bands you only like one or two songs. So yeah. you stream that like Spotify, YouTube, et cetera, because... It's not worth buying a whole album. I understand that. It's kind of like what the radio is for. Like, you know, you listen to the radio and that's it. I mean, back in the day, like then when our dad was buying vinyls, etc., you would actually go to a record store and they'll put the vinyl on for you. Yeah. So you would have a listen. Then that was the streaming back then. It's like yeah. you go into the uh, store, they'll put two or three songs on, see if you like it, then you type buy it buy et cetera. Uh, these days, it's a lot less personal now. I don't even think you have those like listening walls anymore. I think that's just it. You get on your phone if you like it. you're pretty I much yeah. so
0: i guess with that guys you know our fans have spoken to you know it just feels like that's the way that the world's turning which is fine you know enjoy it while you can though listen to music go out support live music and buy the stuff from the bands if you love and i think that resonated the most with a lot of our fans who are really into heavy metal or passionate about the industry they'll still go out and buy it if they fall in love with it and i think that's what the industry really needs right now especially with download festival coming if you guys want it to be uh, salvaged, you know there's the scene in that sense when it comes to festivals then buy it and support it.
1: Oh, exactly right. I mean, that's you asking your bands to like release new material on tour for nothing. I mean, that's not fair. So yeah. you really, it is your moral obligation to support those bands. That if they joy. bring
0: you any sort of joy in your life, or you find yourself going back to YouTube twice or three times, or maybe on Spotify where you've listened to the album like on repeat ten times. Don't kid yourself. You love that album. Fork out the $15, 20 and, uh, you know add it to your collection where you can kind of look at it and know that the artist got that money straight into
1: their pocket. Yeah, exactly right. You're right. These days, I like, could buy a whole album for like $10, 12 We bought yeah. one album from like France, at Evoke band, like three bucks, wasn't it? Three bucks. Three bucks for a whole album and it was a good album. Yeah. That's so, you know, just buy these freaking things. Just buy
0: it. Anyway, so let's move on to our review this week. Super Metal Brother Dan, I have been wanting to talk about this band from the very super day one. This is a band called Mercenary. They are from Denmark. They were formed in 1991. Power Metal, Progressive Metal, Groove Metal, Thrash Metal, Hints of Death Metal. These This band is ambitious, to say the very, very least.
1: Yeah, very, very good point, Matthew. Um, good band, but apparently hard to work together uh i think unfortunately it seems like the singer might be the um i don't know if a weak link's the word or the aggressive link because he's kind of the one who drives people away or he ends up leaving
0: yeah without giving away too much let's move into the album itself you know this album the hours that remain is what we're talking about right now fourth studio album released by the band second one through century media uh, music media now that's actually a big thing because obviously a massive label they knew they had something in their palm of their hands I think the album just before it, though, uh, 11 Dreams, I'm pretty sure it was. Another fantastic record. You know, A very long song showing their composition, their anger, and that also softer side of progression where they're not afraid to you know, have a roll of the dice. This album's funny enough, not including one of the founding members, which is called Henrik Anderson, uh, known, I think, as a bass player, but also as the growler. I think he did come back for the album afterwards with Architects of Lies, but don't quote me on that. Uh, this album, Danny, before you get into it, it's something else, right? It's, it's got a lot going on in it. it it's an interesting listen. And uh, probably, if, are you familiar with the early works before it, going into this album? Or how are you with your mercenary
1: absolutely no recollection of anything before this album at so all right uh, we'll, we'll hear what you have to say and i'll just nod yeah yes. sure yeah sure yeah i
0: got i got into this band from this album but to go back i really started getting into it with ever black that's when they were signed to find their feet and they did their waters into that melodic death metal but incorporating sections of groove and and that heavy real heavy nature that they would come to be famous for up until Architect of Lies. Now. They also, after that, released 11 Dreams, and that thing is just a powerhouse. People are coming into their element, their singing have gotten sharper, it's gotten stronger, the songs have been more lusciousness and length to them, and more of a dichotomy between the hard stuff and the lighter stuff, lots more feel and tonality, great stuff. Here we are now, Hours That Remain. This album, Dane, from track one, we are looking at Redefine Me. What is it, Danny? This track starts so softly and and just pretty. You know, it's got those beautiful swells from the keyboard to give it that lightness in the strings. But then it starts with that riff, Danny. And what what a way! Here we go.
1: Yeah, definitely right. I think that's the interesting thing about this band. Like a lot of the songs, you get like led down to, like a garden path, think, "Oh, it's going to be a certain way inclined." But then they'll just change it into like a heavier section or more melodic section or like a faster, strip back, etc. And that's what they do here. You start off, you think it's just going to be like a, just a soft, nice instrumental. But then it goes a big, and then just cuts into like a full like heavy thrash riff. And it's great. They
0: got a great, this great, like it's got a bit of that technique, that prog metal kind of vibe to it. But then they flip it. They use this tagline to flip it to go into a real nice, big... You know, chordal thing, and then the double kicks keep in, so that in the layer, it. this this riff at the start goes through four transitions, each one making sense, and it then builds and builds and builds until it goes into the verse where we get to hear some truly memorable vocal performances and not the first time you'll hear it in the album. It's uh, quite it's actually really good. I think Mike, uh, sorry, my apologies, Mikhail sander Sandiger really gives a, a, his all for this song. You know, he doesn't stop even in the chorus. He goes up all the way to the very end where he goes even up that extra octave it's really you get a you get a feel down it's like a power metal vocalist in a sense but not have not so deep that you could call him power metal
1: yeah that's true he's just a guy with a strong tone i guess and that's that's the thing which tricks people like and he's quite he's very high yeah i mean like his range is quite high and quite powerful so it sounds good to the ear. We're yeah, it's even important. got Bourne,
0: Bjorn Stridt from Soybook on this album. However, it's pretty, on this, on this track, sorry, but he's pretty mixed downwards, which I'm actually okay with because the performances from the rest of the musicians is fantastic. It even goes to this full like death metal heavy section right in the middle of the song to get really angry as a great contrast to the amount of like sadness and emotion going through it. But it also with a lot of energy, the song does everything right. And what a way to start the
1: album off. Yeah, and then it has like the middle section, it goes a bit more breakdown-y as well, yeah. before it like, builds up to the chorus, and then big crescendo-type ending with key changes and all that. Yeah. Jazz, you know? And
0: that's how clever this song is. Not only the riffs that go into each other so well, but it also goes to a place from the very start, and it actually increases. It's a legit song, you know, it's actually got structure to it. What about track two, though, Daddy? Year of the Plague, your favorite riff of all time, almost?
1: Yeah, it's great. I love like interesting like intros, like um, Future Bread Machine. Or um Tradition and Fire from Dragon Lore, that in- interesting in- intros. They just capture you from the start and you just like want to keep going with it, see what else can be added to the song. And it's one of those like the intros, just a simple did like, that riff, but it's just it gets, it's very like interesting and then it cuts into like the full like this is the year of that and then yeah, just gets you engaged, like full of aggression, like, wow, what is this?
0: Yeah, exactly. The whole song has that kind of more a frenetic start, but also just kinda of keeps that energy going the whole time. And then the chorus comes in Well, not the energy hasn't pulled back because then all of a sudden the real strong melodies come through and it becomes much more, uh, just much more resolved and well-rounded, you know? And that's the whole thing. Even like I said, the middle part where it's like, this is the year of the, this is the year And they do these interesting taglines with the vocals then, you know? Everyone's having this awesome chance to spread their wings out and it's just a phenomenal uh, performance by everybody.
1: Oh, definitely right. And it's good, again, it shows the difference, not just like melodic songs, but also nice aggressive heavy riffs and good the balance for the album is very very noticeable and yeah. it's a long album going yeah,
0: so. into the uh, third track my world is ending this was the actual film clip the selling point and you could see why it's very soft very sincere but again it's not too hammy it's not put in there to add oh like they have to do the commercial song it just shows their case like does a showcase of their ability stretching right across the whole board but it also fits with the theme that they're going with. It's still a very sad song and it really is depressing, but it ties into everything so far so well.
1: Yeah, definitely right. This song here is, you're right. It's a bit of a waltzy type song. So sometimes those slow waltzes with the strings have that depressive feel behind them. It's, It's like, like a kind of a lost, like love type thing or like a, just a sad type of story. And, they do quite well in the, um, using the strings behind the emotive chorus, which helps emphasize it. So Again, it's clever production to help you. It's not just about like fast, heavy or songs. It's also yeah. about taking for a bit of emotion there. Going to the fourth track, The Eternal Instant. This one here,
0: I think, is a really good one to bridge the next two tracks together. And I find for myself, a track where I'm kind of just kind of absorbing it mostly. I wouldn't say it's my favorite track, but it's important here. Really kind of helps tie in the, the second half of the album really, really well.
1: Yeah, It's another one like track one where it starts off one way but then just completely changes it in yeah. the, the out of like intro riff. I guess it's really groovy and heavy. Like, oh, yeah, that, cool. that yeah. verse riff is
0: sick, man. It's like, did a little land down, it's just so cool and groovy. Takes away from some of that, um, phoneticness, but it's also got a great little bit of drive to it and energy that brings you across the whole time. It's the intention to detail that these guys are self aware to know that look, we've done a track like that but we want to keep everything in some sort of like you know context and it's very deliberate i feel like this writing is and even the way the songs are structured is very much everything's considered you know
1: yeah And this one here is i mean the style they write and the fact that the vocalist is both melodic and heavy or melodic and screaming this song like emphasized that like kind of battling nature of it like it has like the fast groove to the softer side and battling like the screams, again, with the um, soft vocals. So a lot, of, a lot of this song is like they're layered together on the same roof schedule trying to see like a, a fight is occurring. Again, it's all that, all that subtleties which are quite clever.
0: Moving on to track five, Lost Reality, probably uh, has to be the favorite track off this album. I have no idea why. It's the longest track off yeah. the album as well. But the amount of beauty that's put forth in a heavy metal context here is amazing. From the very instant you have this very dancing number, uh, that gets you moving and gets you energized, but also has, again, that familiarity of sadness and dread. It's kind of like, it's kind of depressing, but there's such an amount of passion gone into the songwriting that I think, I don't know, I love it. And, to, and then it takes you away with the chorus. It's such a singable, memorable, uh, honest um, com- composition, this song. I absolutely adore it. And it's, to the very, very middle, it, goes, it just builds and builds and builds, and it gets very heavy builds again and at the end it even tags itself and follows back to where it kind of started it they hinted this breakdown in the middle of it and at the end of the song they return to an even bigger format it's just so clever this song Danny what about you what do you love about this song
1: oh exactly right again it's the whole emotive progressive nature of their songwriting so it, it takes you on those journeys like mm. again you have like waltz sections the heavy aggressive sections the like the groove and the solo out of like the aggressive sections to help like break away from etc and it's it's the tone of his voice has that whole like despair in it so when you hear a song like Lost Reality you automatically feel like oh this is a, a grieving type song you hear the tone of his voice yeah. and the slow, slowness and the despair of the chorus you feel like wow this, I should get that connection
0: and that's the thing you you resonate so strongly with the performances on this album from most of the members but here, particularly here I really feel that uh, Mike go the vocalist is just bringing such a phenomenal array of technicalities and his range, Danny, is impressive, isn't it? I mean, that's he's in some high damn notes. Oh, yeah. But yeah. the power was there. It's not that that's for, right. It's not faceted yeah. where it's like a fake note. It's it's him legitimately pulling a uh, great, beautiful performance in that chorus. It's just amazing song. Transitions so well. Moving on to track six with Soul Decision. Again, it's that heaviness that's brought from track five. It's just another cool intro into another kick-ass song.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Another another ish song, which is, um, yeah. a, I guess, a nice thing for them to do. Like, they mix it up throughout the song. Again, like, even though the song's heavy, there's always sections which are slower or trimmed down. I guess most of the songs are, like, six to eight minutes long. So Yeah. But that's the
0: thing is that some bands don't know how to tag themselves into going into slower sections. And you don't want a song to just be that. If you're going to write a melodic metal song, you know, there is a part of it where it's the way you then story arc it is important, you know. But no matter what, whatever these guys do on this album, it seems like it's the riff that should be there next and it's put there for a very important reason. And it seems like here it's another one until we move on to Simplicity Demand and then I think the heaviness here really kicks off and it's just such a great track because it stands itself up from being a real... Now, this is, these guys are a heavy metal band. The singing now goes to 11 with some of those ranges. It's very high. Um, just insane.
1: Yeah, definitely. Again, even though it's like tremolo playing for most of it, and it's a. I really love this riff. I think it's one of my favorite off the album. Yeah, the whole song, I just I love it. Uh, again, his singing over it just has a an angst to it, which it's um it sets off the tone quite nicely. So again, I, I enjoyed the song. Again, they, the middle they kind of slow it down again to help bring it back because you just don't oh. want a whole song tremolo picking. So
0: you really get important of the the riffing in this album. The guitarist it just does not stop, and there's so much amount of diversity and imagination gone into put into these riffs as well that no song sounds like another no riff sounds like another riff but they all tie together really well and and this song especially is just fantastic it's so groovy and heavy but so much amount of raw energy and, and passion into it it's amazing we have to move on to track gate with obscure and discretion and this is where the album for me now comes to, starts to bring it home i think i think after track seven now eight and nine feel like eight's building up to nine and nine's bringing up to this to the end But what do you think thing? Obscure Indiscretion got some heavy wrists in it, man.
1: Yeah, definitely right. And again, they use um, good use of the strings like out of the chorus to help, I guess, bring the song and Mm. take the song with them. I guess using a lot of the um, different, like, in a lot of these songs, they use different like percussive instruments or different like use of the synth. So you got synth, you got bells, you got um, string sections. You also have like a I know, like a different type of drum sound. It's more like an electronic drum sound at times. So I don't know what that is. But it's all these different elements where they try to help make the song sound a little bit different given their own personality. So end yeah, this song, yep, yeah, it's a good song here. Yeah.
0: yeah, Secret Window, Beautiful Men. This chorus gets me every time, you know. It's such a great chorus. Uh, the whole track is phenomenal. Really just, uh, I can't believe you've gone this far into an album and still being like, what a great track, you know. Every track so far is like, wow, this, this, this is awesome, you know? I mean, I think eventually I'd be like, if I had to put a gun to my head, yeah, there's certain tracks we didn't love as much as others, but every track belongs here. And, and even up to track nine, we're still like on a great journey. Kick-ass song, you know, uh, great chorus, very much influenced, I think, from the more melodic death metal vibe as well. Uh, but no, nothing wrong with that. It's just a great song. It really return to, to form with some of the, and even a nod to their older roots, I'd imagine.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah, again, like in the middle, they can change it up like an extended melodic singing section again for the guess at the tone and then they kick out again with a nice groovy riff so it's all about a journey taking a journey and trying to trying to get you to feel with the songs
0: yeah and with and up until track 10 where the hours that remain the uh, name of the album the last track perfect the way that it resolves it all is great even some of those heavy riffs that are headbangers you know it's really much got that sadness about it that it's coming to a close even to the very, very end. Um, It returns to a very interesting kind of piano-y thing at the very end where it's all distorted and stuff, which I didn't quite understand that was about. Didn't really add anything to the album, but I think, to be honest, what a way to end it. This this song feels like one of the saddest of the album, but it also feels like it's got some of the heaviest sections um, and some of the most technical stuff as well. So those guitar sweeps and stuff and those tremolo-picking sections. Oh, it's just phenomenal, man. What a great, great way to end the album.
1: Yeah, if you're like a fan of Never Ending Story... It like has that sound to it, like that that out of intro, like what well, yeah. even the verse riff, it just sound It just makes you remember, like reminds you of the never ending story. Yeah. I don't know why. Just yeah. yeah. So that's the
0: thing. Like as you can tell, we're just gushing about this album, the way it's been written, and we didn't even get touched on some of the performances by the drumming as well. Like everything the drummer does, especially stuff like in the first track, redefine me. He's flipping riffs on the head. He's adding double kicks. He's making it heavy, heavy. He's putting those breakdowns in in a way that's interesting en- and engaging where it's not taking away the song, like the end of uh, Obscure Indisc- Indiscretion or um, anything like that. You know, it's really, really cool. Lost Reality, has ending is really nice and tight. So amount I'm of imagination and thought, especially those keys as well. I and mean, they're helping me- the singing so much, you know. Uh, the performance from Mawson Sandigan, his brother out of all person, uh, is it's just phenomenal. I think it really attributes to the sadness and the emotion in the album and you can even add some of those dancey elements like in Ross Reality where it's much more uh, yeah just more dancier, But but again it's all in context it's brilliant I absolutely loved it
1: yeah no, very very good stuff to say there Matt uh, again the, the guitarist is also great like strong melodies are pretty much found throughout the whole album um, his solos are very good as well they're not just like how fast I can play and how quick I can play or check the sweet pattern out he actually yeah. makes the songs and his solos fit together make yeah. them motive we need or make them heavier or faster we need so that's, that's it's impressive
0: yeah I think he does only a couple of solos on the whole album to be honest I, don't, I can't remember too many times where it's actually like a solo solo but the guy can shred and he can play just so, just got a mind for the writing
1: yeah but even like in the songs you have like great tra- transitional work between the heavy and melodic especially in track in the last one where you have that battle yeah. of heaviness and screaming and, and melodic singing and the difference with the guitar playing riffs etc the drumming does well to set that off as well like the drumming can help in a melodic section then same riff but just put the double kick in and that's enough to transition from the slow melodic to like the thrashy groovy heavier sections so uh it's a band
0: that's uh this this album for me was the first one that got me into mercenary and to be honest danny uh it might be the best but it really put into place that melodic death metal now had a place just outside of Sweden for being some of the best that you're going to hear. In fact, I would rate this album as one of my favorite Malik Death albums, metal albums of all time. It really is, and it sets it apart from m- many bands, you know. In fact, the band itself, I would say, arguably, up until uh, the latest installments, from albums like Eleven Dreams, Architects of Lies, and arguably Ever Black, uh, especially this album as well, put these guys into legendary status for me. Like, on with inflames, Scar Symmetry, Soilwork, Calma, whatever else. These guys are for me uh, the most, one of the most important metal bands in this current um, generation.
1: Yes, yeah, fair So There are some negatives of this album. Yep. Uh One is the mixing. I really don't think the mixing is great and doesn't really help them at all. Like I have to keep playing around with like my cars, um, equalizers, etc., to get yep. some sort of like levels. If you fair. think
0: this is bad as well, architects are lies, you can't even hear the snare sometimes. So it's it's a problem that the band's been haunted with from the very start. Maybe some bad choices.
1: What else do I think is getting to you? Oh look, the other thing's a personal choice and that it's too depressing at times. Like, oh perfect. Yeah, I know I know you love it, but I just for me when I I know sometimes like sad songs or like overly happy songs make you like depressed, etc. Yeah. It's a weird thing. But I don't mind like one or two songs, but sometimes it's album's like, oh, it's too much sadness. Oh like, my God, that's amazing. How,
0: I just haven't even said that. That's exactly why I love this album. The guy's sadder than me the whole time and I thought I was sad at one point. And I hear this album like, from start to finish every time. I can listen to this album on repeat and it never puts me in a shit place. But then again, I get more sadness from listening like the latest Suicide Silence album where I listen to that and I go, This is really bumming me out.
1: <laughs> but I yeah. guess
0: that's for other reasons. Maybe that's art for you, maybe that's exactly their intentions. But uh um, oh, it's phenomenal for me. In fact, uh it, it really for me is one of my favorite albums of all time, too, Danny. Look
1: well, great. Yeah, that's fair. There is a lot of great things here, like great riffs. Yeah. Uh, great emotions, singing's great, drumming's fantastic. Even like the use, of the production is great. Not the mixing but like again the addition of synths etc all oh. very appropriate all very purposeful intelligent it's intelligent
0: yeah. writing and it's also never going against the way that the, the song should feel and I think for many bands out there they could take some some tricks out of these guys books not only what riffs to write but where to put them and how to write them together to make a, a whole entire you know portrait
1: yeah exactly I look, you're right if you're like a massive fan of the mellow death or just like melodic songs progressive songs yeah. in yeah it's definitely one of those Pro- progressive things.
0: Progressive metalheads would love it. Groove metal fans would get a kick out of it. You know, I wouldn't say hardcore, but because we can go into that a little later. Before you put a wrap around this thing, I just want to go into a little bit of the, what's happened to the band ever since this album, too. Um, like I was saying before, after this album, they released Architects of Lies, which would bring forth even more heaviness. So if you don't like the sad stuff the whole time, this album is much more heavier. Production values, I feel oh, like they've fallen a little bit. Like, again, the drumming is very hard to hear, some of those snare hits. And then unfortunately, we would see what would be known as the mass exodus of 2009. We would lose not one, not two, but three members from the classic lineup that made this album, Architects of Lies and 11 Dreams, so magnificent. One being Mike Park Nielsen, the drummer. Obviously, we talked about how great his performances were. Morton Sandiger, the keyboardist. Influential is, is just a small word we can subtitle him. And Mikhail Sandiger, the whole thing that was built around the band was basically, I think, his power metal of sound, which established himself away from many bands that could use that. I guess like, a little bit Nevermore, than you could say, this band, they have that incredibly unique sound to their vocalists that not many bands would emulate or or even sound like.
1: Yeah, true. I, yeah, that's fair to say. He has that unique tone of like the high register, but it has a nice tone behind it, which... A lot of things you don't really get in the power metal field, they normally start using their falsetto range at yeah. that time and it's very, it's a very noticeable change. But these guys here, their tone, their range is so strong, so yeah. powerful that you don't get that.
0: So we have going through now, after losing it, they had one thing to do and that was to recreate the band. They got a new logo and a new sound and frankly, I don't care much for it. The first album went in the new sound in 2011 was Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, I guess it is. And you can get one thing right now that the band sounds different, and the biggest thing is, it sounds happy. And that, for me, was a big misstep, because as you can hear from Daniel's voice, he might not <laughs> like those dark terms, but this album is very hard to feel that, um, that despair and anguish and, and sadness that they brought forth so often. It really feels like a victory, like they've gone through all of that before, and now here they are to celebrate with you, going through what they call their darkest days would be the album after it.
1: That's interesting, so Metamorphosis was a happy album, which I guess maybe reflects that they're good, those band members left. Well, the next um, album
0: was called Through Our Darkest Days, and it's like them, and this album sounds like like a triumph, like most of the riffs on this are very much happier, and the singing on it now is done less of a power metal, and more of a metalcore style, you know, with some of that facetto in there as well, with that high I guess power metal, you could call it, but the the landscape has changed. The riffs are different. The keyboards are non-existent to a degree. It's very much a guitar show, but this, the feel of the albums, both albums, has completely changed from mercenary. In fact, it's borderline. I don't want to say not mercenary, but there's mm. so much iconically missing that it's hard to say that it even is.
1: So is there any original band members left in this band?
0: I think the guitarist. Okay. And... That's about it, I think, right now. I think I'm starting to struggle. And the problem with that is uh, it just caters out. When you hear the new vocalists come in, I think it naturally then pulls songwriting to a different degree. Do uh, you remember any other albums that changed vocalists, Danny? That's, uh, I guess uh, Killswitch Engage were a good example. They were metalcore. Then they got the uh, the new singer, and eventually they would be doing fairly safe kind of sounding songs, which they would kind of still be doing now today, but maybe that was the landscape that changed. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's hard because I don't want to say that the new singer automatically means you're going to change your style because in a way, you kind of have to write to his abilities. Like, if he has a certain tone or certain range or she has a certain tone or certain range, you really, like, start to get a bit locked in to that sound. You really need the singer to help emphasize your band or what you are willing to write. Otherwise... And then it becomes hard because if you want to play older songs and they're not really cutting their mustard with the older songs, then live, it just becomes a problem. Well, who knows? We're
0: going to find out the, hopefully the next album with the band. I'll still be buying it. Uh, like we talked about before, they are one of my favorite bands of all time. So like a sucker, I would buy it if it has a name on it. However, you know, be well aware guys, if this album speaks your interest, check out 11 Dreams and Architects of Lies as well. The later albums, not so much. But Danny, let's
1: close it off. Yes, and in the words of Mercenary, to choose deception, to see the gain. And the rose, the answer, enjoy the pain.
0: Oh, that's so sad. I think I might flip that album again. And with that, we're at the end of our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. Next week is the last week of the year. We are finalizing it with the Super Metal Brothers Top 10. What is the Super Metal Brothers Top 10, Danny?
1: Pretty much the Super Metal Brothers choosing our top 10 albums of the year. I don't think there's much of a... uh a hidden message in there.
0: (laughs) Not at all, but we do throw some curveballs in there as well. We're going to talk about some of our hated albums of the year, some of the metalheads of the year, and even some other things that we might bring up as well.
1: Yeah, like top songs, maybe best news stories. Yeah. Uh, Maybe give out a first Gene Award. Yeah, exactly. And maybe
0: even for you guys, this thing we'll think about an award we can give you. Last year's winner, uh, Braden, got himself a CD, a signed copy of Testament's Brotherhood of the Snake album. I'm sure he listens to that car every day and smiling at those scribbles written on the Back of the page, Danny.
1: Yeah, exactly right. So thanks everybody for listening. Thanks for this week. A lot of people who liked the uh, question. We really appreciate yeah. all your feedback and your attention and your opinions and comments. It's great. Keep cool. it going.
0: And with that, I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I've
1: been Super Metal Brother
0: Dan. We've been the Super Metal Brothers, and we'll thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next week.